Welcome to The Money Hour with host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 133075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome to the Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 20th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I am your co-host, Keelan Harvey. You're a local mortgage expert bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our economy and how it can affect your money. If you're listening to our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. In studio, our lineup today, we have Brooke Quist of Seed Intellectual Property Law Group, Strategic Advantages and Pitfalls in Patents. Ignorance is not bliss. Also in studio, Darren DeHaan and Carly Willis of DCD Property Group with the current market shift and pricing your home accordingly. Also in studio, we have Stephen Cohen of Take It On Today at the Power of Accurate Booking. Great information and great guests in studio for more information or questions that you have with our guest. Again, you can call 1-855-411-50 or go online at themoneyr.com. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. And let's start out today's show with a little money chat. Money. Money. Keelan, I thought I would bring in today and share with our listeners about something that I'm really passionate about, an organization, uh, Mama's Hands and the House of Hope. Mama's Hands feeds the homeless, and the House of Hope provides a, a stable home for women and their children as they're going through transitional so that they can uh, get into a house of their own. And if you're looking to give me back to be giving back to the community and spending some time in the homeless community in Seattle, Mama's Hands is out uh, on the streets in Seattle the third Wednesday of every month, or uh, actually every Wednesday of every month. I am out the third Wednesday of every <laughs> month, uh, which just was this last week. So... I had an opera. I wanted to bring this in because my birthday's coming up. Uh, last year I was the big five zero, and actually before I, I chat, you're going to turn or you did turn forty years old. Happy birthday, Keelan. No, Tina, 37 every year counts. Um, we're going to wind that back. I got a few. Um, just a few years. Just a few years because that's going to go by really quick. Yeah. Anyway, so my birthday was uh, April 26th. I turned 50 last year, and I'm going to be 51 this year. A year goes by really, really quickly, but I'm going to be spending my birthday this year at the gala for the House of Hope. So I just wanted to give a shout out for that. And um, I had an opportunity to meet with Leslie Hancock five years ago, and she is the wife of Denny Hancock, which are the founders of 
uh, Mama's Hands in the House of Hope, and they opened the organization in December of 1990, and I've had them in studio a couple times over the holidays to uh, share what they're doing, Um, but I'd asked Leslie a question, and this question would change my life forever. I asked her what was important to her outside of her successful real estate business that she was running, and she started to share the story about Mama's Hands and the House of Hope and the why behind it and how they started this amazing organization. And I was so inspired that actually Victoria here now is, you know, takes our behind the scenes uh, shot. She'll remember this. I actually picked up the phone on my way back to the office in tears. Uh, they, she, they, she inspired me so much behind the story and then what they were doing. And so I really wanted to do something to contribute. And I asked Leslie, what could I do you know, to be a contribution to the organization. And she said, well, with the success that you've had in your mortgage business, I think you might be able to share some tools and techniques with the women. So, of course, I said, yes, I would do this. Now, I was preparing for my uh, visit with the women, and I thought to myself, showing up in my Jaguar to the home that they were living in, which was a beautiful home, by the way, but it's transitional, and mm-hmm. they want to get out of this these homes and you know have a house of their own. And I thought going in and sharing my personal core practices of the importance of having a dream and being alert and embracing failures that if I didn't open up and tell my own personal story and be vulnerable with these women, how was I going to be able to connect with them? And it was a really scary thought for me because I had never publicly shared my story before and definitely not with any of my real estate partners. I've been in the industry for over 15 years by now. And to make it even more scary for me, Leslie, which is an industry industry leader in the real estate space, and you know, Keelan, majority of our business comes from real estate professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a real influencer in our market. Well, she was going to be there that night. So that made it even, you know, more scary for her to actually know what my story was. Mm -hmm. But I made the commitment to myself that I wasn't there for myself. I was there to make a difference uh, in these women's life. And I had no idea how they were really going to make a difference in my life. So first time I shared my story of tragedy to triumph, I uh, talked about how my little sister and me played our violin at Pike Place Market to keep our help our parents keep a roof over our head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked about my dad uh, being an alcoholic and how he tried taking his life when I was 12 years old. I talked about my own uh, challenges with drugs. I talked about how my uh, first husband was in prison and the death, death, death of our daughter, Amber. And I shared that through my own tragedies, I was able to triumph. And I believe that life throws us tragedies so we can share our story of triumph on the other side. But you must fight through your tragedies to make it to the other side. And I believe that when tragedy hits, your warrior is right there beside you. But the real tragedy is not letting your warrior out and fighting for your life so you could realize the person that you want to be or that you're meant to be. Uh, I spent three hours with these women, and by opening up with my story, it allowed them and created the space for them to share their story. And so I we I listened to them. They shared with each other. I talked about the community and how that community was really bringing them together, how they could support each other. There was lost, lots of laughter and, and lots of tears. And less than a year after I left these uh, these women, the first time that I spent with them, obviously, I've, I've been part of the organization now ever since that goes without saying mm-hmm. um, but a lot of my time is uh, in the homeless community because of this opportunity I wrote my book 10 months later 
I, which is my book journey, um, tragedy, or, uh, um, journey with me, which is based mm-hmm. on my personal, uh, professional core practices, and of course my my story. I wrote my song Dream, and now, as you know, Keelan, I'm a keynote speaker, and I get invited to share, and sometimes in front of hundreds of people my story. So the reason I wanted to share that with you is because when you go from a place of contribution and go to help other people, you have no idea what will actually come back to you. And so I want to give a little shout out to uh, Mama's Hands and the House of Hope and the many, many, many years that they have put into this organization and the difference that they're making, not only in these women's life and the men that are out on the street, but into uh, the people that donate their time uh, because, you know, you never really look back after uh, an experience like that. So if you do want to join me on Friday, April 26, your host, Tina Mitchell, I'll be there. I've got a table, of course. Um, you can reach into the show and I'll get you uh, connected so you can join the uh, gala because it's going to be a great event. Yeah, and for yeah. listeners out there, I mean, I I met Tina and, and I read your book on the plane. Remember, we went to Dallas mm-hmm. for a company event, and I read the book. And you're the real deal. You really are. It's an inspiration to anybody, and such an amazing person. And there's nobody I've ever been around that brings me up like you do. You're just a positive light all the time, no matter what's happening in your life. Everything is always positive, and you always bring this wonderful spirit. So, oh, thanks, um, I, you know, knowing that when I first met you and to read the book and kind of where you came from and your background, I mean, obviously all that made you who you are today, mm-hmm. and it's an incredible journey. So, um, you know, kudos to you and your journey and what you're doing, and you are a woman of action. You're out there actually doing it and giving back. So, uh, Tina, you're amazing. Well, thanks, Keelan. <laughs> Thank you so much. Anything else that you want to share today? What are you? I'm, no, you're going to go you know, uh, skydiving. I am going to go skydiving <laughs> on Saturday, but um, <laughs> but no, let's leave it at that. And, okay. and because at the end All of the right. day, I think there's nothing more important than what you do and and your causes, and um, yeah. you know. That skydiving is cool, but this is... All right, well, we'll talk about skydiving Yeah, we'll talk about week. next week, yeah. Okay, all right, Keelan. <laughs> okay. Well, that's our money chat for you. Coming up next in many hours, strategic advantages of, and pitfalls of patents. Ignorance is not bliss. Request of CIP Law Group, right here at 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. Doesn't it feel great when you're able to help someone in need? The joy of service to others is often taken for granted, but the reward of kindness is felt as much by the giver as it is the receiver. Sometimes it's difficult to know how and where to reach out to those in need. Mama's Hands has provided a way for you to not only lift the fallen, but to help them stand on their own, believe in themselves, and become strong enough to do the same for others. We need your help. We can change the world together, one soul at a time. This is Denny Hancock with Mama's Hands. For more information, please check us out at mamashands.org. That's M-A-M-M-A-S-H-A-N-D-S dot org. Thank you. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. 
Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. It's the Saturday, April 20th show. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. You're a local mortgage expert. We are here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to connect you with the guest. Uh, please call the show at one 855 or online at themoneyhour.com. Again, that's one 855 or online at themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, first time for our guest, we have Brooke Quist of Seed Intellectual Property Law Group, Strategic Advantages and Pitfalls in Patents. Ignorance is not bliss. Brooke, thank you so much for joining us today. So excited to have a conversation with you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And a little bit about Brooke. Brooke is a partner at Seed Intellectual Property Law Firm, LLP, with over 22 years of experience in intellectual property law. Prior to joining, joining Seed IP, Brooke was a partner at uh, Steptoe and Johnson LLP. Before practicing law, Mr. Quist was a senior research and design engineer in the aircraft division of Northwest Corporation. Brooke specializes in domestic and foreign intellectual property, including strategic portfolio development, patent preparation, and prosecution. Freedom to operate opinions, patent invalidity, and non-infringent opinions, due diligent investigations, client counseling, licensing, and technology transfer agreements. Brooke lectures on U.S. patent practices at the University of Washington's renowned Center for Advanced Study and Research on Innovation. And I know, Brooke, that you actually just earlier this week, you did a, um, a really big uh, speaking engagement. How'd that go? It went well. I've been speaking yeah. quite a bit recently. I spoke at the the WISPLA event, which is a Washington State Intellectual Property Association, uh-huh. and then also uh, yesterday was at the Washington State Bar Association for our twenty uh, fourth annual IP Institute. We had lots of great speakers there, including the director of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office came wow. and gave a great speech as well. That is awesome. Yeah. I know you do a lot of educating around uh, patent, and that's why we have you here in studio. So, so excited to have you. Super. Happy to be here. <laughs> Brooke, how, that's really cool. Um, I'm a big fan of Shark Tank, and that's my exposure to patents, where they talk about that all the time. Do you get a patent? Yeah. Is a utility patent, 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 patent? And I was like, wow, that's kind of important if you think about it. Um, why should you, uh, for our listeners out there, care about your patent? Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Shark Tank because that, that's <laughs> most people's exposure to patent laws. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, and so it's a, it's a good takeoff from there is, you know, why do they always ask, do you have any patents? And the reason is they want to know, do you have a competitive advantage in the marketplace? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that's going to be a barrier to your uh, potential competitors coming in and trying to do the same thing you're doing? Because there's always going to be someone who's uh, bigger or, you know, can do things cheaper because, you know, of where they're located or so forth. And so if you have some way to protect what you're doing, that's going to give you an advantage and it's going to make uh, someone like those in Shark Tank who are investors know that it's a good investment. Uh, when I was speaking yesterday at the Washington State Bar Association, I was uh, moderating one panel and we had an investment banker there and they said that uh, of every single company that they currently had on their, port- on their portfolio, they all had an IP strategy. They all either had their own patents or were licensing patents or wow. had some way that they were protecting what they're doing. Now, that's not always going to be true. These guys were particularly focused, but it just really shows that, that that's going to give you an advantage. And that's not the only way it can be done. You can also, uh, some companies will, will license, they're not actually doing what the patents do, but they're licensing their patents out to others. Mm. Uh, and that can be a way that someone small can compete in a big space. I had uh, one client who was uh, who was you know a stay-at-home mom and she 
uh, had an invention that was a, a pet-related device, and mm-hmm. she was never going to be able to compete with all the, the you know, the big dogs in that market, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but we were able to get a license agreement with her for one of the big companies, and then she could have that money kind of roll on in from that, from that investment. And also, that's a way that someone small can, uh, can keep from being protected against someone big is if you license to one of the big guys, then they can fight off the other big guy instead of you having to do that. Yeah, and we hear about that on uh, Shark Tank, too, yeah, the licensing. Kevin O'Leary, what, what's going to stop me from taking your idea and squashing you like a bug? He's Daddy Warbucks. He's yeah. got endless, yeah. endless pockets. So. Yeah, those are valid questions. You, <laughs> yeah. want, you want to make sure you ask those. <laughs> yeah. So, Brooke, what are some other real benefits of having uh, patents? So uh, one thing that uh, they sometimes don't get into it in as much detail in Shark Tank, but if, uh, if you were following up on their after conversations, you probably would, was not just do you have patents, but are your patents really on what your technology is or, or whatever it is that you're selling? What's your mm-hmm. business model? Where are you making your money? And is that where your patents are located? Are they, are they really strategic right on your business development strategy? Because lots of people will file patents with the best of intentions, and then you know the, the direction of the company tilts a little bit. They go in a different direction, and they, they wind up with a bunch of patents that, uh, that really aren't that valuable because mm-hmm. they're not on what they're really doing. So, for example, I had one client that uh, recently went through an acquisition from a multi-billion dollar company, and as we were going through the due diligence, you know, one of the things that the company who was acquiring them wanted to know was, you know, can match up your patents with your product. Mm-hmm. Show me where uh, where the patents and where these claims match up with what you're actually doing, with what you're selling, with how it. And if you have that, that's great. That's powerful. If you don't have that, then it's nice, and you know, it, it can those patents can give, you know, some uh, some good feelings, some goodwill, some confidence to your uh, to your uh, your engineers or other technical people, and that might be great, but it's not near as powerful as if they're really protecting your product. Another thing to look at, sorry to keep no, going go here, right but ahead. another thing to look at is, are you really at a choke point in the marketplace? Mm. Are you, with the, what you're protecting with your patent, is that the only way to do something? Because if it is, that's going to be a lot more powerful. If you are doing something and you get a patent on it, let's say a way to encrypt a file. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's 20 different ways to do that, maybe even more. So, just because you've protected your way that you're doing it, your competitors can do something that's equivalent, that's different than what you're doing, but achieves the same effect. So that patent isn't going to be near as powerful. But if sense. you've got a, the only way that something can be done, that's something that's really going to give you a big advantage. So, Brooke, would you say kind of like an estate plan and your financial plan and your taxes? I mean, you're looking at these things on an annual basis. Is that important when you have a patent as well, that you're having it reviewed by your attorney to make sure that any changes that are happening, that you're kind of, you know, looking at that? Or is that not necessary? Uh, yeah. So it's a little bit different than that. But okay. l- let's let's start out and explain that the patent prosecution, the, the process during which you get the patent, is a several-year period. So the patent office likes to, likes to say on average it's three years. Uh-huh. So let's just go with that for sake of argument. Uh, and it may be, uh, I think they like to estimate 14 months before you get your first official review of that patent. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then usually that, that first official review, they tell you that you can't have the patent for one or more reasons. And, mm-hmm. and actually that you kind of want to get that. If you get a first action mm-hmm. allowance, it's kind of like if you get a new job and you ask for a salary, and they go, yes, right away. You're like, oh, yeah. I didn't ask for enough, did I? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so usually, not always, but usually 
you you're trying to ask for enough that the first thing you get is refusal and then you go back and and you explain to them why you're different than what's out there and why you should get that patent and and then you go through that back and forth process so during that during that you know year or two or three you should be in contact you your patent attorney and and the client the company or the engineers or whoever is taking uh, charge of that rain should be in contact and, and letting your patent attorney know how your product has developed in that period of time. Okay. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. So yeah. that when you're, when you have those opportunities to amend your claim section, as you go through the patent prosecution process, that you can keep it on focus or, or you know, you might find that, you know, if, uh, you know, un- unfortunately that product didn't make it, you know, yes. the, the company went another, dire- another direction. And then, you, so you may not want to pursue that. Um, or you may want to get the patent and see if there's an opportunity to license it or sell it to someone else. But by keeping abreast of what's happening during that course, you can make sure that you keep it on focus. Yeah. Um, a- another thing to account for is maybe um, maybe your product that you're making in-house is different or, or stopped, but your competitor is doing something. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that you try and get something that's going to cover your competitors, uh, assuming that you've got support for that in your patent, so that you've got an advantage in the marketplace. Got it. That's, you know, that's really interesting. I noticed on Shark Tank, you have somebody that comes in with a product, and then they'll mention their patent, and then all of a sudden the sharks light up like, oh, wait a second, because it's all about how your patent is written and designed. And some of these business owners that are pitching it have no idea on how valuable just their patent is. Their product is worthless, but this patent and the way it's verbalized um, is priceless. So they get all excited about that and show a completely different angle. Mm. In your opinion, Brooke, um, what makes a patent more valuable than the next? Well, like we were saying there, partially it's about uh, does your patent cover actual technology that's you, either you're using or other people want to use. Mm-hmm. So if you have a patent and it's it's on technology that's either not being utilized by you or by someone else, that's going to be less valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the easiest way uh, to to give put a valuation to pr- put a price on something is if there's an actual marketplace for it. So if you can say, oh, I'm selling these products and I can a- attribute these sales directly to my patent because mm-hmm. uh, I'm selling and my competitor's not, and the reason I'm selling is because I've got a patented feature. That's the easiest way to do it. it makes sense. But there's other times when um, when someone like the sharks you talk about or mm-hmm. the investment banker I had on the panel yesterday yeah. will say, oh, that person has. Uh, patents and they don't realize how valuable they are. Mm-hmm. So they will sometimes, when that company goes under or it needs financial, you know, it's in financial distress, they'll have an opportunity to buy those up and then apply them to an area that that they know has potential value. Wow, that's sneaky. That's really, really <laughs> sneaky. So, uh, Brooke, what about dangers? The biggest danger when it comes to patent law? Yeah. So the biggest dangers that uh, a lot of small businesses uh, and and uh, ind- independent inventors don't know is that you can actually bar yourself from getting a patent if you don't act quick enough. Mm. Now, with other types of intellectual property like trademarks and copyrights, you can uh, you can have your copyrighted material like your website or your book or whatever out for years, decades, and then protect it. Then go and okay. file for protection. Same with your trademark. With like your, my coaching program, I had five you know five years before yeah. I did mine. Yeah, because yeah. because you get common law protection and it actually gets stronger during that period. Mm-hmm. But with patents. When you disclose your idea or you sell it or you offer it for sale, that starts a one-year clock ticking. And at the end of that year, you bar yourself from getting a patent on your own technology. Oh, my God. So So never. You're just done. Yeah, at least on that version. We have had cases where where clients have come in and they haven't known that. And we say, well, 
you know, 1.0 is gone, but what about 2.0? Okay, mm-hmm. you're, so there's you're some still, ways you're around You're still that. inventing, right? Yeah. They go, oh, yeah, we're still inventing. Yeah. So we can come in and if if the changes that they're making are significant enough that mm. they're patentable on their own, then we can come in and help later on. But it's much better in the beginning, and that's why we always try and encourage people, even if you don't know if you have something that's patentable, you know, come to me or someone, other reputable patent attorney will usually, you know, give you a, a free consultation and say, hey, do I have something here that that, you know, I need to worry about that I should try and protect. So let's say you just have this new this new idea or this new concept or invention. Mm-hmm. What, the first thing that people u- usually want to do is talk about it. They want to tell, you know, <laughs> an advisor or they want to tell a potential investor. So how, how can they protect themselves? So the two main ways people can do that is either by uh, using a non-disclosure agreement or by using a, what's called a provisional patent. Mm-hmm. Per, uh, both of them have limitations, but but they both are far better than nothing. The problems with non-disclosure agreements is that a lot of investors and, and venture capital people just won't sign them. Um, mm. There can also be some issues as to, you know, what's your recourse if someone violates it. Uh, you only have a, a contract recourse. You don't have patent recourse. And then with with a provisional application, that gives you uh, a one-year placeholder during which to go back and, and uh, file a real patent on that. So you can file those usually pretty quickly and, uh, you know, at a fraction of the cost of an actual patent. And then you can have some protection to go and talk to whoever you want to talk about and know that you're not going to be shooting yourself in the foot. Some dangers there, though, is you're only protecting what you actually file on. Mm-hmm. So if you file a real short provisional and then go and talk beyond what's covered in there, everything beyond what was covered is, is fair, fair, game. fair game for you to yeah. be shooting yourself in the foot again. <laughs> Wow. Well, Brooke, thank you so much. I wish we had more time with you. You're just, you have so much information uh, around this and I just really appreciate you coming in and sharing with our listeners. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. to have you back. Sounds good. And coming up next in the Money Hour, the current market shift in pricing your home accordingly. We have Darren Dahan and Carly Willis of DCD Property Group right here at 1150 AM KKNW after this short break. noticed our community is experiencing a homeless crisis like never before. But what you might not know is that homeless families, especially mothers with children, are on the rise. They're one of the fastest growing groups right now. They are unsafe on the streets. And although they may not be visible, they are out there and they need our help. Mama's Hands is changing lives in our community through the House of Hope. It's a shelter for women and children in need. House of Hope provides not only support services, but a home-like environment for these families. After they graduate from the program, House of Hope staff continue to keep the families engaged and supported through a whole year-long aftercare program. I'm Kimberly Jackson, director at Mama's Hands. We would love to have you get more involved in helping homeless families and individuals in crisis in our community. Please visit our website at mamashands.org. That's M-A-M-M-A-S-H-A-N-D-S dot O-R-G, mamashands.org. Thank you. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. 
Welcome back to The Money on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 20th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I am your co-host, Keelan Harvey. Your local mortgage experts. We bring in each week the best of the best in studio to share their expert advice. And if you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to connect you with the guests that we have on the show or answer any questions that you might have. You can call the show at one 855 411150. Again, that's 1 855 411150 or online at themoneyr.com. In studio right now, we have Darren DeHaan and Carly Willis of DCD Property Group, the current market shift and pricing your home accordingly. Welcome back, you guys. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us back. And a little bit about uh, the two of them, what Darren and Carly's 17 years in the industry. Clients trust their expertise and secure the right project for their needs. They provide themselves on using their own skills in advertising, budgeting, negotiating, planning, and sales to best serve their clients. Their goal is to become your personal real estate consultant for life. Darren and Carly, super excited to have you guys. You guys are great friends of mine, so it's always nice to have good friends. All of our guests are friends, but you guys are especially friends uh, here in studio. Um, I was reading something this morning, and it sounds like there's some shifts in the market, and I would love, with your guys' experience, I'd love to get your feedback on uh, these changes and shifts in the market and what you guys are seeing out mm-hmm. there on, uh, in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say uh, it's good to see you, too. Oh, like, <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> good friend of mine. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say we, we've definitely seen a, a slight cooling uh, in the market, uh, mainly due to uh, increase in inventory, uh, including uh, I've noticed a lot of uh, stale listings hanging around that yeah. were priced too high, even when the, the market was at its peak and, mm-hmm. and have now... Um, um, and even more so that since the market has shifted. Mm-hmm. People just sitting in the past, like they missed the boat and they're like, no, I'm just not going to change my price. This is what it is. But mm-hmm. stuff's not moving. You better probably lower your price a little bit. Yeah. So Darren's still stuck on that. <laughs> what yeah. if we take it back uh, a few months, Darren? What have you seen uh, your buyers dealing with out there? Um, you know, I, I actually think it's been it's been great news for, for buyers. Uh, you know, more supply, less demand. Um, this tends to happen uh, this time of year because sellers uh, uh, believe that waiting until springtime will, uh, you know, be their uh, in, in in their best interest. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, the days of throwing out inspections and, and other contingencies in the hopes of winning a property um, are, are are nearly gone. So. Um and that's so true, right? It's the it's like in history, the springtime thing. Everybody's like, mm-hmm. wait, wait, but the market's changed. So um, what about seeing the market beginning to balance out? I've heard some rumors of the, a balancing of the market. Do we think we maybe have a shift of the guard here from the seller to buyer world? Yeah, well, I don't know if a, a full shift, uh, but I believe that it, it's beginning to, to balance out. Um, we've certainly found that, that buyers are beginning to have a better shot at uh, finding their ideal home. As opposed to just hoping they get any a home anything, period, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, but I've been excited that uh, the buyers I've worked with will have a have been having a better shot at getting the property they uh, they have their heart set on, as mm-hmm. opposed to just throwing something out uh, at the wall and, and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know very disheartening um, for my buyers when um, we throw out five six offers and 
just hoping one will be accepted. <laughs> yeah, heard yeah, that. it was a it was a really crazy market to come out of of what we came out of. But it's interesting when the market does shift a little because that's what we've seen it do shift a little. Sure, um, a lot of conversations start out there, and then you get the media that tags in because media does sell. We try not to sell fear here on the Money R on eleven fifty AM KKNW. But the reality is, is fear does sell, and so you hear a lot of negative, um, fear based news out there, and so. Even with a small shift, you hear people talk about, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. we're going to have a, a bubble and this is it. The next crisis is coming. So how do you uh, talk with your buyers and sellers when you hear that in the conversation? Yeah, I'd say, um, I mean, it still comes up once in a while about, uh, you know, a bubble bursting and so forth. But uh, it just hasn't been as, as big a con- concern lately. We're seeing the, a cooling of the market, certainly. But mm-hmm. um uh, but nothing like we saw, you know, a decade ago. Um, we're, we're simply returning to a, a normal market. Um, we're coming in for a soft landing, not a crash like before. <laughs> um, the the previous housing market was fueled by demand and created by, um, you know, lenient mortgage standards. And uh, as you're well aware, that yeah. nowadays they're much more strict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's a behind the scenes when meaning uh, when you're in the industry. I mean, I you know we know that there's not a, there's not a crash coming, and we right. haven't reached like never going to see appreciation again. Nobody mm-hmm. can predict what the market's going to do. Um, but it's just interesting when you're not behind the scenes and seeing and been in the industry as long as we have. Um, there's so much opportunity here, and when you look at employment, and I always say if you can predict, if you have a prediction of what you think employment's going to do, then you can predict the same for real estate because real estate always follows employment. And so if you just take a look at our area and where we're at with all the employment opportunity, then you add in the the interest rates and the cost of money continuing to be so low. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really an exciting time to get out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good yeah, point. For yeah. sure. That's a, an interesting thing, Tina, that you mentioned. I mean, um, you, it, it's quite the opposite now on our end. Just go inside there. You need experts. You need experts like me mm-hmm. and Tina that are, know how to cross yeah. your T's and dot your I's because they're not playing around now. You need to document everything, mm-hmm. and a lot can go wrong. There's a lot of hoops and behind-the-scenes people don't see that we go through to ensure that things land successfully and close successfully, hence the reputation that we have. There's a lot of value to that yep. when agents know that it's going to go flawlessly on the yes. financing end. So. It's very uh, nice to work with a really great lender. Yeah. Super important. Well, thanks again. Another shout out for the team because, oh, yeah. you know, definitely couldn't do it with everybody uh, behind the scenes and behind the scenes of our business. Yeah. And uh, so shout out to Lisa and Mark that really coordinate and make sure that everything uh, runs smoothly on the closing process. So, Carly, we need to hear from you here. Um, <laughs> you need to join us. So, do you? Yes. Yes, <laughs> we do. <laughs> so uh, why don't we talk a little bit about what changes that you've seen from your sellers in this market at this point? We've already seen uh, quite a big uptick in the acceptance of contingent offers. Um, they were pretty well unheard of recently, and uh, now sellers are becoming just more flexible when considering offers. I think because there's less competition for homes, at least for the last few months, mm-hmm. <laughs> who knows what the spring is going to hold. But um, for that, uh, sellers are just more readily considering contingencies and offers as well as considering buyers' closing costs as well, um, whether they want to cover those or not. A lot of more buyers are asking because they know that they can. They have a little more, bit more leverage. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think the the confusing thing for buyers, and I you know see this on um, from the lending side that you really don't. It is really neighborhood specific, and mm-hmm. also it's price specific, oh, yeah. meaning yeah. how the agent's pricing the home because you can have a really hot. Um, neighborhood, but if the agent is pricing it too high, yep. then they're not getting any offers and people are wondering why it's been sitting on the market. But then the house that's relatively close in the same neighborhood has mm-hmm. multiple offers. So it's a little bit more difficult in this market because mm-hmm. you're not really sure how to strategize mm-hmm. unless you're working with an expert that knows. And right. so, yeah, talk with your agent. Your agent's going to let you know if the seller is going to be, if the price of the home is priced to where it's going to make sense that the seller is going to pay cost. If not, right. maybe you increase the price again to do that, right? Right. Well, and it's not always is the agent's fault. I have to throw this out there because uh-huh. we did mention this earlier. A lot of the sellers are just hanging on to the past market. Yeah. And they think that they can get 20, 40, 60, 80,000 more for their home than they actually can. But wouldn't can you agree, Carly, as a real estate agent, is letting the seller oh, you know, absolutely. know the reality? Yeah, but whether they the, listen to you or not, that's yes. the difference. <laughs> yeah. <Touché>. yeah. <laughs> you can be an excellent agent, but whether they the sellers actually listen, that's yeah. totally different. Yeah. yeah. Well, Carly, let's talk a little bit about price. So, mm-hmm. what are you seeing with the actual price and uh, where's the market at? Sure. Well, as we know, price appreciation has been pretty well nuts the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're seeing that slow to more normal levels, which is really nice. There's, again, just there's still some sellers that are hanging on to the heyday. And uh, their homes are pretty easy to spot because they're still sitting on the market and all their neighbors' homes have sold. Yeah. <laughs> The market doesn't lie, you know. Nope. You gotta try, your yeah. home is really worth doesn't. what it, it no. doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. Your home's worth what it sells for exactly. right? at that exact yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Forget about the past. <laughs> Don't worry about the future. It's now. Right? Yeah. The thing that's strange is because numbers are numbers. I mean, yep. you can see exactly what properties are selling for yep. right in your area to know exactly what the value is going to be. So, yep. yeah. Statistics very... don't lie. No, they <laughs> that's don't. right. The numbers don't lie. <laughs> Carly, let's talk about uh, DCD Property Group, your guys' awesome team uh, that you have. What do you guys do to uh, help prospective buyers and sellers? Well, to start, we do offer pretty extensive buyer and seller guides um, that are updated every quarter. So they they give tips and tactics for buyers uh, to get the best deal um, and for sellers, tips on how to prepare your home for sale it touches on the importance of decluttering, staging, use of color, and pricing. It talks about the pitfalls of overpricing, which is really important to pay attention to. But small things make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, there's links on our website to the spring version of these now at dcdpropertygroup.com. Wonderful. <laughs> and I know you guys provide a lot, you know, a, yeah. a lot of value. What are some of the other things that you're doing for your buyers and sellers? Well, one thing that makes us unique is we are uh, a team. So we're almost always available. At least one of us is available at all times. So we do that. Um, and then another thing that we uh, we really pride ourselves on is the seller exposure for clients, for seller clients, excuse me. And uh, we promote our listings with individual websites and landing pages in addition to our own company website, multiple social media outlets, including my base guide for Joint Base Lewis McCord. Go military. Woohoo. All right. Um, as well as some, some less techie advertising like direct mail, uh, Craigslist, and others. Um, we're also incorporating more video, as we mentioned uh, outside there, mm-hmm. um, because statistics again don't lie and video is just it's it's really booming on social media and uh, it far exceeds all the the simple pictures posts and links just to web pages 
So. Yeah, and in video really connects emotionally, and that's what it's about yeah. selling anything, but especially when you're selling a home, is to exactly. be able to emotionally connect with people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so love that. Yeah. Well, I, I, if I if I may, I have to say too. Um, you guys are old school in the way that like <laughs> oh, thanks, the, well, no 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 in, in this good way and I'm, I have it at heart too I'm not afraid to pick up the phone and get things done and right. I know Darren especially oh, and Carly gosh. as well you guys get it done like I mean are on the phone every day are relentless at getting your way yes. and that's what you gotta that part I think don't think will ever die mm-hmm. you gotta pick up the phone you gotta make yeah. sure that you're talking to everybody and really getting that voice to voice like hey this is what's happening yeah. this is how we're gonna do it that's yeah. that aggressive touch mm-hmm. that I think really gives you an edge in the market. So touche to you guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you on, on on that one. I think it's awesome. Well, thanks you guys so much for coming back in studio, and look forward to having you back again. Thanks yes, for absolutely. having us. Thank you. Coming up next on the money are the power of accurate books. We have Stephen Cohen of Take It On Today right here on 1150 AM KKNW. After the short break. Doesn't it feel great when you're able to help someone in need? The joy of service to others is often taken for granted, but the reward of kindness is felt as much by the giver as it is the receiver. Sometimes it's difficult to know how and where to reach out to those in need. Mama's Hands has provided a way for you to not only lift the fallen, but to help them stand on their own, believe in themselves, and become strong enough to do the same for others. We need your help. We can change the world together, one soul at a time. This is Denny Hancock with Mama's Hands. For more information, please check us out at mamashands.org. That's M-A-M-M-A-S-H-A-N-D-S dot org. Thank you. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. It's the Saturday, April 20th show. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. You're a local mortgage expert. We are here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. But we're here to answer any questions or you connect you with the amazing guests that we have on the show. Please call the show at one 855 1150 Again, that's one 855 1150 or online at com. In studio right now, we have Stephen Cohen of Take It On Today, The Power of Accurate Books. Stephen, thank you so much. First time in studio. We're really happy to have you here. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And a little bit about Stephen. The most important thing you should know about Stephen is that he is passionate about business owners feeling empowered and making well-informed financial decisions with a partner that they can trust. Stephen is committed to serving small and mid-sized businesses by offering them 24-7 financial services on or off-site. He is flexible and provides his expertise by really listening to what his clients' needs are. Whether you are starting a new business or have been in business for a while, Stephen will support your bookkeeping needs with a perfect blend of expertise and personal service. His goal is to be a virtual resource for your business and create a powerful partnership. So, Stephen, I mean, me and Tina know why bookkeeping is important. We see things 
and I know not to do it, I need to hire somebody else to do it for me. Yeah, that's one. We that's, going back well, to one time. You, yeah, embrace your strengths, hire out your weaknesses. You nailed it. There we go. <laughs> um, Stephen, tell us why. Uh, why do we need a bookkeeper? Well, the truth is that there's a lot of business owners out there that would rather not keep their books. That they just love doing what they do, and they would do their books based on what's in the bank account. And when bills come, they pay them. But the real reason you need to do it is you have to do it for the regula- regulatory outside mm. agencies, the IRS, the Department of Revenue, all the payroll agencies. That's the reason to do it for them. But for yourself, you get the information. You get really the straight story about how your business is doing, and you can get it on a regular basis and make decisions. So that's the real reason to do it for yourself. Yeah, and kind of like in the mortgage industry, I mean, whether you love doing bookkeeping or not, I will say that I definitely do not. But some business owners may love that. They may love the hands-on of being able to manage that process. And But the reality is, as you're a business owner and whatever expertise that you have in your profession, there's only so much time in the day. So being able to be an expert in that and a bookkeeping, which is not your profession, there's not enough time. And so I, I love that, Stephen, really being able to protect your business by making sure that you're doing what you need to do. So, Stephen, what are the most important things when to think about when deciding uh, how to set up bookkeeping? Simplicity, simplicity, mm. simplicity. It's amazing how folks make it so complicated, but they don't realize that the reason they're doing bookkeeping for their own information is also to do a tax return at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever taken a look at your tax return, it's the simplest thing in the world. I brought in this amount of money. Cost of goods was this. Payroll, there's 10, 15, 20 at most buckets. And then you have a bottom line. So why make your books any more complicated about than that? And there's one pet peeve I have, which I'm going to share with folks right now. And that is there are a number of people that have amazing point-of-sale systems. Uh that give them all this valuable information. They take their money through the point-of-sale system, and they think that they need to now go duplicate the point-of-sale system in their bookkeeping. And you Mm. absolutely do not. They can run side-by-side. You can have 20 different products you sell in a store, Mm -hmm. and in your bookkeeping, it all just goes under retail sales. So efficient, yeah. The old KISS method never fails, right? (laughs) So uh, why should you uh, not do your own bookkeeping? Like specifically, what what is your um, thoughts on people that are trying to just do their own books? I think it's a great idea, especially in the beginning of your business, because you really can learn and you can get a handle on it. And the truth is business is about numbers. You know, a bookkeeper, $65, $75 an hour. And if you have the time, you do it, but it gets to a point where you start to look at yourself, and Tina, more than anyone knows this, is you really have to value your time. I mean, a business owner should think their time is worth a couple hundred dollars an hour, yeah. probably, in my opinion. So then it gets to the point that if the money's there and I understand the bookkeeping and I can make sure I can trust and verify what the bookkeeper's doing, then it might be time to let it go. Well, yeah, and that's a... Oh, go ahead, Keelan. No, sorry. There, you well, can interrupt me anytime you want to. Oh, thanks, I Tina. do it my share of time. <laughs> once in a while, once in a blue moon. <laughs> you know, it's all about the data, too. How do you project your success and future and where you're really at in your business if you don't even know what's actually going on? I mean, in my mm-hmm. business, Tina's business, we're always looking at where our time is best used and what we can do to improve. If you don't even know your temperature, how do you know like where you're at and what you need to do, right? Correct. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of already answered my question, but um, when do you know when to hire a bookkeeper? So you, you know, talk about when you first open a business, it's a good idea. But if you're talking to people that are listening to the show right now that have not had a bookkeeper for years in their business, when, what are they feeling that they know they should take that leap? 
Well, I like to be a little of a wise guy because I'm you from, are kind of a wise from, guy, from back east. And in the moment right here, one of the great ways you know it's time to need a bookkeeper is when they threaten to call this man two spaces over to my right. <laughs> the attorney. <laughs> I mean, if you're married, your yes. spouse will tell you when it's time because you will literally be working on your business 24-7. Yeah. You'll be going home. Do it. You'll be doing the bookkeeping at home because you'll be too busy during the day and they'll yeah. be like, come on, I want to be with you. I <laughs> yes. want to hang out. Yeah. Tell us, uh, Stephen, what is real-time bookkeeping? Well, I'd love to say that that's something that I created, but yeah. it really isn't. <laughs> but what it did was create an entire new career for me in bookkeeping because technology. You basically can connect your yeah. bank accounts, your credit cards, everything right into QuickBooks Online. This is not an advertisement for them, but it sounds like it. And every day you just click refresh, refresh, and everything feeds in every day in real time. Yeah, and technology is so amazing in the spirit of one-timing. I, it's just it's amazing how technology is so one-timing, not just for our business, but for our personal lives. I mean, gosh, we don't even have to go into the grocery store anymore if we don't want to. And it's going to continue to get, you know, even uh, better as time goes on. So, Stephen, what is Bookkeeping Plus consist of? That I did create. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> oh, I always have such great questions. I don't like to make bookkeeping sound any more elegant and complex than mm-hmm. it is. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a jeweler. Bookkeeping is more or less data entry, in my opinion, if you learn it and you do it right. What plus is, is if you've owned a business before and you understand business models, what's an appropriate percentage for cost of goods, cost of occupancy, cost of labor, marketing. You're doing the bookkeeping, but I do it with an awareness because I understand multiple different types of business models. Then I'm able to go back to the business owner and say, you know, this looks percentage looks too high. They don't often know why they're not making money, but uh-huh. it's sort of doing the bookkeeping with an awareness of what is the business new and just not seeing a transaction putting in its little bucket. It's just it's another level of awareness. Love that. That's important data. You know, people just get this wild idea of an, uh, I'm going to. Oh, I love data. Me too. It's amazing. <laughs> like you can figure a lot out by your by your data and know where you're at. I've I've had five buddies who are like, let's go open a bar. I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. But like, do you know anything about profits or like where where's your money maker? What you know any? No, no, no. We don't know anything about it. So it sounds like this plus is consists more of like a coaching aspect to your business. Is that correct? You Absolutely. coach clients. Yeah. yeah. The other part of my business besides bookkeeping is that I'm actually a licensed real estate agent in Washington as a business broker. Oh, nice. So I help people sell their business, which means I know how to value a business. So I know what a set of books should look like to give you the highest value when you want to sell your business. And really, from the day you open your doors, you should be thinking about selling your business just because it makes you run it in a particular way that you make that bottom line look good. And it looks mm-hmm. valuable to the outside market, even if you never sell and you hand it down to your kids or you yeah. lose it in the divorce. Well, and you know, we, we buy them. <laughs> <laughs> I love how everything just ties in. We strategically invite into studio the best of the best. That's what this show is about. And, you know, what an amazing thing. I'm, you know, I'm really a believer in having multiple businesses, but having those multiple business all connect with each other. You know, I own a mortgage software, but it's connected to my mortgage business. I have a coaching program, but it's connected to my mortgage practice. And so I love that, Stephen, that your bookkeeping is you're helping people sell businesses, how to set it up. And so, you know, really when you're um, a a shout out and and something to think about uh, from your host here is when you're thinking about a bookkeeper and who to hire and what to look for, look for somebody that can actually advise you through the entire process. So, you know, I love that, Stephen. 
Um, tip for small, because I'm, you know, I know you really well. Uh, we're part of a, a same networking group together, and Jeanette here in studio. It's kind of fun. We've got a little mini, uh, our little mini group in here, uh, and I know your wife uh, very well, Susie. And you know, she's a business owner herself, and you work with a lot of small business owners. What would be a tip that you would have for a small business owner? Something that's really important to them and continue to gr- with growth read the most important book that I think. I mean, there's been a lot written. It's called The E-Myth. It's a throwback kind of book, but it basically talks about what you just spoke about. People have something they love to do, so then they think they're going to go do that as their business, but they forget that they're now going into the sales, marketing, and financial Mm -hmm. management business, whatever you do. So you need to learn and grow those skills. Even if you're making a pie, you're really in the sales, marketing, and financial and, so hope, and maybe people management business, and that's dramatically different. So true. It's been it's been bugging me, Stephen, this whole time. The question sitting in the back of my head. Is that why you're moving so much? I am. I'm a fidgeter. That's I'm just like, what, what I do. Is, is, is Brooklyn, New York, the answer? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Go Hawks. I guess I don't know. Um, but I was going to ask, what are some examples of if you were gonna if you were thinking about being a business owner, what do you see as profitability? You know, it could be anything. Like I've heard teriyaki shops, bars, like any you know, they people have these crazy ideas. What is a good business, do you think? The right business these days, I think, is is hard to find people, but are service businesses. Because mm. obviously technology is mm. going crazy. Yeah. Brick and mortars, really hard. Restaurant, food management costs mm-hmm. is tough. But I mean I sold the business last year. Basically, a guy who literally bought a couple of garage sweeping trucks and all these high rises that were around right here, downtown Bellevue, downtown Seattle. He sends a crew out at night. They sweep. They clean. This is a, this mm. is a service that's never going away. Yeah. Seal coating. There's blacktop everywhere. Car repairs. Nobody wants to be in the car repair business. Plumbing, electrician, they're not sexy. Yeah. There's no apps, but these things are needed. Buildings what, about are, what about landscaping? Yeah, that's another good yeah. one. But I'd rather be in California. Yeah, well, yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be a landscaper, but <laughs> you can own a company and have somebody else go out and do the job, I mean, yeah. right? So, Stephen, what about a biggest mistake um, that you see entrepreneurs make? It's doing their books in the beginning, but not yeah. understanding the basics. I mean, buy QuickBooks for dummies. Yeah. I read it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say. Uh-huh. And not understanding what a journal entry is. And that's kind of, you know, fancy bookkeeping talk. But uh, CPAs... Is that an explanation for everything that you're... No, CPAs do them. It's the way you you move around. So people just get overwhelmed by their books, and then they just, they just make mistakes. And then okay. one mistake just leads to another, just not understanding basically what double entry bookkeeping is that was created back in the Roman times. Got it. So what, when you hop into a business and uh, where did, walk us through that a little bit, you take a look at the books, you get, can you share this like a success story and kind of what that looks like? If somebody takes you on, where do we go from here? Well, it all depends on, on where they start. Some folks are like, I have a, somebody I'm engaging with right now where they've not really done any bookkeeping. They're just doing the bank account system version. So you can do nothing and do business all year and then go on your bank website and download it all into Microsoft Excel and figure it all out. But they want to get into real time. So QuickBooks Online, I hate to say it again, but pretty much those are the only folks I use. I get them on QuickBooks Online. I set up their chart of accounts. The beauty of QuickBooks Online is I'm on the telephone with them and we're saying, okay, look, here's what's going on. We're looking at the same thing at the same time 
and I don't have to be in a room with them, and we can do whatever they want. So all of the success stories revolve around QuickBooks Online, where they can go on there, and they're ultimately half of them when they do go on a lot don't because they just feel so confident and comfortable that I have it. Yeah. When they do go on, they go like, "Oh my God, this is so easy! I can find this information. Mm-hmm. Wow." That's so awesome. And I always say when building a team, the biggest thing is to be able to trust and have confidence that they're doing their job. And you need to have a system set up to where you can see from the back end and monitor if there's something that needs help with. And it's kind of the same thing. I mean, they've got all of the data. They can see everything that's happening. So they've got that confidence and not have to worry about that you're doing everything at the very highest level. So, Stephen, as we're wrapping up our time here uh, today, what would be a final share that you would have for our listeners? Um, let's move on to the bling because this is the exciting part. Oh, yeah, the bling. <laughs> this gorgeous woman to the, well, we my first right. We talk about divorce <laughs> and then we talk about bookkeeping, and now we're going to bring in the middle, the warm and fuzzy bling. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for uh, joining us in studio. It was a real pleasure to have you here, and of course, looking forward to having you come back. Thank you for having me. And this is your host, Tina Mitchell. And I am Keelan Harvey. Your local mortgage expert signing off for the day. And enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we look forward to talking more money next Saturday right here on 1150 AM KKNW. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075, are licensed loan originators with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, and MLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.